Hello, I'm Bruce. And we're about to eat sandwiches that we packed for lunch. Yep, I'm Philip, and I too am going to eat a sandwich. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and honey for me. And honey. And we have nuts that we packed. And um, water, good old water. <laughs> Where are we today? We're in Nueva Victoria Labraña, one of the communities we're going to be working in. Yeah, so basically we're, we're out in the country. We're in a rural community. We're smack in the middle of it. It's like a concrete little building. Yeah, we're in a shack next to a soccer field um, next that's next to a school. And there's a kid. <laughs> right on cue. Okay. So, we're imagining you sitting right next to us in this little shack listening to Appleseed Radio. Thanks for tuning in. So Appleseed began as an idea that we could create an organization that would let us live and travel together while working to improve child nutrition in the places that need it most. This show chronicles our attempt to turn that idea into a reality. Today we'll be sharing a few recent stories that illustrate something we've noticed about the Guatemalan culture and how it can work for or against us. I'll just start. Uh, something we noticed a few weeks ago before New Year's. Uh, we were climbing a volcano. Volcano... Tahumulco. Tahumulco. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we we're going up and down this volcano, we noticed there's just litter everywhere. And also, people were cutting down trees, and they are using them for bonfires at night. Despite the fact that no one's supposed to do this, there's a sign, um, there's a few signs that said no littering, no fogatas, which means bonfires, no bonfires. But a lot of people didn't listen, but at least there were signs, right? On the way back down, we noticed there's this group of guys and they stole one of the signs and they're laughing and walking down with the sign. And all it took was for me to say, chaosis, which is what are you doing? And immediately, these guys said, oh, um, we're just moving the sign, and we're going to put it right here. <laughs> and they just set it down next to a tree where everyone could see it, and, um, and they continued going down. Teenagers. Yeah, <laughs> teenagers. So that was a little odd. I thought maybe there'd be some sort of confrontation there, and, you know, I was going to stick up for the environment, but it really was kind of nothing. They, I mean, they just they just listened. So, um, yeah. And then we kind of noticed something, well, sort of similar when we were in the city. Do you remember when, when we were looking for that one restaurant that night? Oh, yeah. Mona? We were looking for a restaurant to eat um, that someone had recommended for us, and we couldn't find it anywhere. We just And we saw this couple that was, like, about our age, and then we were like, Okay, maybe they know this restaurant. It's like a it's supposed to be a hip restaurant. I don't know. So we asked them, and they're like, um, yeah, we can we can walk with you to where it is. We're like, okay. So, well, do you know where it is? They're like, uh, yeah, we'll walk with you to where it is. <laughs> so basically, they led us on a wild goose chase that went on for about half an hour. Yeah. And they, they just, didn't... They walked with us. They were, like, on a date. And yeah, then they, they decided to, like, walk with us yeah. for 
30 minutes looking for this. And we ended up finding it, but we found it, like, like on, accident. on accident. Yeah. And it was closed. And but. it was closed. <laughs> so then they said goodnight and went off on their date. And they were happy, and we were like, that was odd. Right. <laughs> and we know, we've talked to other people since then, and this is not a unique experience. A lot of people have had that happen to them in Guatemala, where people were really nice, but they just, for some reason, didn't want to say they didn't know um, that was another kind of example of this behavior we're noticing. And then just yesterday, Noe, Noe who manages the farm uh, for Semilla Nueva, the experimental farm, he was showing us around, and we were just standing outside of his truck chatting. Do you remember mm, that? And then that, yeah. that other truck pulled up? Yeah, the other truck pulled up, and none of us noticed the truck because we were talking like in this deep conversation about corn. <laughs> and uh, we just kept talking and talking, and then finally and I noticed, car, like, yeah, why is this car there, still here? Idling. Like, why, what is he looking at? Is it because we look different and he's just ogling us? Like, what's going on? Now, this is like three minutes of him sitting there with a truck full of construction materials. He's obviously on his way somewhere. But he's just um, sitting there. And then we're like, oh, he probably needs to get through. Yeah. <laughs> So after we noticed that, of course, Noe moved his car, and immediately the guy said thank you and was on his way, but who knows how long he would have just sat there. Okay, so what's going on here? Ruth, care to enlighten us? <laughs> okay, well... I'll eat this sandwich. A theory that can help explain some of this is um, something called Hofstede's Theory of Cultural Dimensions. Mm. Um, basically, they measure cultures around the world on six different dimensions um, and it helps people communicate across cultures um, compare the countries yeah, right exactly so one big dimension that they measure is whether a society is individualistic or collectivist so since we're american we'll start with the united states the united states is the most individualistic society in the world they have a scale from zero to 100 and the u.s scores at 91 so basically, in individualistic cultures, you think of yourself in the terms of I, or I and my immediate family. Um, so like the American dream is all about doing better for yourself and for the next generation and the next generation. And, and we value choice, mm -hmm. personal choice, You've, really important. Exactly. And we're bold, right? Mm-hmm. And just as examples, um, the next two are Australia has a score of 90, Britain has a score of 89. China, on the other hand, is much more collectivist. Opposite end of the spectrum. Right. They have a score of 20. So, you know, they have a communist government, and people think more in terms of we and as for the good of the group or as a group, rather than as myself as an individual person. They are really loyal to the group in return for being cared for. Guatemala is a six. A six so even more collectivist than China and actually more collectivist than any other society in the world um, so the US is a 91 Guatemala is a six so yeah. complete opposite ends of the spectrum exact opposites so people in a collectivist society they align themselves to a group and to the opinions of that group whatever the opinion of that group is like they don't want to rock the boat or go out on a limb and they tend to avoid conflict. Which um, is why the guy in the truck didn't want to 
um, interrupt what we were what we were talking we were about saying to, right. to move the car and why once you confronted those boys with the sign they're like ah, not doing anything and why that nice couple didn't want to just tell us sorry we couldn't help you they mm-hmm. you know they wanted the better for everybody um, even if that meant not necessarily telling us the truth so to avoid conflict and to not separate themselves from the group, people often will communicate indirectly when they don't agree with something or if they know they're, they want to tell you something that you don't want to hear. And that's going to make our job kind of difficult because uh, in our project as we're trying to get under the surface with how people are, are making decisions about farming or how mothers are um, caring for the kids and feeding their kids. We're trying to get into the weeds with their lives. Getting direct answers can be really difficult with, um, with people in a collectivist society. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we can make use of this. Um, it can work for us in some ways. Mm-hmm. For instance, social norms are really powerful. So if we're able to get a few key people doing something, then a lot of other people might follow suit. Or when it comes to sharing information, uh, diffusion of information through a group. People do this pretty readily. Like Ruth was saying, it's a way to mitigate risk. Anyways, it's something that can work for or against us. Having this context, it's it can be useful in other ways too. Um, in this next story, which is not really related to agriculture, but definitely <laughs> good for us to know. Um, yeah, very useful. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of explain what I mean. And before I get into it, I definitely have to credit Kurt Bowen of Samia Nueva <laughs> for his brilliant solution to our predicament. So, if you've ever ridden with me in the car, you know that I'm like 90% of drivers who believe that they're better than average drivers. Probably get it from my dad, who calls himself a creative driver. Um, I think I'm pretty creative too. And it's good when you got to r- avoid road hazards. And here in Guatemala, chock full of road hazards. The biggest ones being other creative drivers. <laughs> <laughs> There's creative drivers everywhere. Yes. Especially, Too much creativity going on yeah, here. Especially the drivers of chicken buses. Chicken buses are basically old retired U.S. school buses. You know, the big yellow ones. But they repaint them in all these crazy colors. And they, they get lights. Yeah, they put lights and bars and and names. They basically transport people all over the country for really cheap. All the while polluting the hell out of the air. And and they drive like maniacs. So we try to avoid these whenever possible. And the day after Christmas, um, Kurt uh, of Samia Nueva picked us up to give us a ride. We were driving to Shayla together also known as Quetzaltenango, which is Guatemala's second largest city. And we were going there for the first time. On the road with Kurt, we saw road hazards everywhere. There's huge potholes. The people who fill in those potholes and then stand in the middle of the road asking for money. (laughs) Gigantic speed bumps that come out of nowhere. Yeah, that aren't painted. Yeah. they just there. there. <laughs> and then the people who stand next to them waiting for you to stop so they could sell you something. And a lot of times they're in the road. 
a lot of things to avoid. Sometimes there's even clowns who juggle, um, stray dogs. There's mm-hmm. even kids. Um, when kids are on holiday, they just sit yeah. there. They like to sit on the side of the road and wave to people and see how many honks they can get. Yeah, I thought it was cute. Um, it's cute, except their legs are like almost in the road. It's frightening. Yeah, that part's scary. Um <laughs> We were just driving along, you know, avoiding these things, and we're just talking. We're all kind of getting motion sick, but we're making good time. (laughs) Everything's good. And suddenly we started approaching the worst hazard of them all, the military police. Or I don't even even know if they're military. They're just all sorts of guys. They're just giant guns. In different uniforms, they set out cones and they flag people down. They don't carry, like, handguns. No, shotguns, assault rifles. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, maybe it's a bribe, which we've actually had to pay already. (laughs) That's a different story. Um, Maybe it's a routine inspection. I don't know. Or maybe something worse. Basically, it's something to avoid. So, we're approaching one of these checkpoints, just chatting, and suddenly, Kurt just starts screaming at me like a madman. He turns towards me. He looks angry. He's yelling. He's still going like 100 kilometers an hour, and he takes his hands off the wheel. He's like like waving waving them wildly. wildly. And he tells you to copy him. (laughs) Yeah. And he starts yelling at me to do the same thing. I'm like, oh, what? Okay. So I I join in. I just start yelling about our families, doing this very loudly, (laughs) very emphatically. And um, and about 15 seconds later, uh, it's all over. We're well past the checkpoint. And... We're back to talking normal. So, <laughs> what happened here? Kurt does not have Tourette syndrome. What he was doing was he staged a conflict, a very visible conflict. And the theory goes that Guatemalans, whoever they be, whether they're cops or, or not, if they see two crazy gringos driving down the road, screaming at each other in the middle of a heated discussion... Who are they to, to interrupt mm-hmm. and pull us over, right? So yeah. They don't want to mess with that, whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that, it seems like there's a conflict to be avoided there. It works every time, says Kurt, who's been here seven years, and the one time he was pulled over was the one time he decided to test his theory and not get into a <laughs> fake argument. And Yeah, he got pulled over. So there you go. How to avoid law enforcement in Guatemala. You can use that next time you visit us. <laughs> we'll use it when you visit us, for <laughs> sure. Okay. That's it for our show today. Thanks for listening. And as always, big thanks to our founding sponsors. Thanks so much to you guys who care enough about what we're doing, believe in us, um, and have made personal donations to make our projects possible. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Appleseed Radio through iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Coming up on our next episode, we'll tap into something ancient, the culture of maize, or corn, in Mayan America. We'll talk about what we might be able to change and what we won't. Our website is appleseedimpact.org. Catch you later. Bye-bye.